one day uh, I came home, and I do this thing where I won't eat all day, and then I'll come home late, and then I'll eat everything. But this day I came home, and uh, I was hungry. I look in the fridge, and there's these, uh, like, it looks like a cookie muffin, all right? So I started eating those. I eat about two of them. I'm on my third. And my wife, she sees me, and she goes, what are you eating? And I said, I'm eating these sweets in here. And she said, she said, you like those? I said, I do. And then she goes, she goes, they're made out of beans. And I was like, spit it out, you know. And, and I thought, I wish you wouldn't tell me that. But uh, so, you know, it was, uh, it looked like an unhealthy muffin. But it lied to me. You know, it, it tasted like that. But again, it lied to me. It was beans dressed up like a muffin. Uh, she did that once with a, um, it was a peanut butter pie. I was getting ready to dig in. She made it for me. And before I got ready to dig in with a smile, she said, it's keto. It was good, though. So, uh, But, so we're going to look at uh, 2 Timothy 3. And as we look at it, we're going to see people that look like something that they are not. Okay? And uh, we're going to talk about that. So let's go to uh, 2 Timothy 3, start with verse 1. The first thing you're going to know is uh, that there are people that are, they have a religious appearance without character. Okay, so it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and holy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, uh, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of deprived minds who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected, but they will not get far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Do we see people like this today, all right? Do we see people uh, that are lovers of self? Uh, do we see people that are uh, boastful? Do we see people that are disobedient to parents, that gossip? They don't have any self-control. They're haters of good, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. You look through that list like you're gonna see it, and you could probably say, that we live in that day, right? Uh, however, though, these verses are not speaking about society in general. They are speaking about a very specific group of people. Here's the reality. People have always been like this. Like, if you go back 100 years, you're gonna find some people that are disobedient to their parents. You're gonna find people that are lovers of money and lovers of stuff. So, if, if he's talking about the end days, why mention that? Like, it'd be like saying, hey, the end days are going to come when people can talk and walk, right? But here's the thing. He's not talking about 
outside the church. He's speaking to a very specific group of people. He's speaking to people that are in the church. These people that are this, on this list, were in the church, okay? So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about us. Like, there were people in the church that did these things. So it's easy to read this and think, you know, I once knew someone who fit this description, or I've read about guys like this, shame on them. But I think Paul wanted Timothy and us to do some personal soul searching as we read this list. Lord, is it I? That's what I want you to ask yourself. Like, is there anything, I want you to search your heart. Forget about your neighbor. Forget about your husband or your wife. Like, look at yourself as we talk about this. Is this something that I go through? And these people were in this church and they looked like something they were not. It was probably about a month or two ago, I was, uh, my brother-in-law, Jordan, he called me and he said, he said, I need you to help me move something. I said, what is it? And he said, it's a gun safe. And I said, I can do that. He said, it weighs about 700 pounds. And I was like, hmm, man, I don't know about that. So I said, but I'll try. He said, it might just be me and you, or I might have some friends, but probably be me and you is what he said. And I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, I saw Cody Baker out here. And I was like, Cody, needs your help. And he agreed, you know, and so, so we go to his house that he's moving out of. So I go to my brother-in-law's house. I go inside, and his mother-in-law is there. So we go in, and she looks at me, and she goes, all right, now we got some muscle. <laughs> and then she said, she pointed at me, and she said, not you, him. <laughs> I was hurt. I'll tell her, I said, you're mean. You know, like, but here's the thing, like, I, I don't know. I want to look like I can move a 700-pound safe, but I can't, you know, and I ain't been working out. I've not been doing any of the stuff where, you know, I'm that kind of person that can do that, but I wanted someone to, to think that I could, right? The preparation of doing that or being strong to do that is something that I did not do, but I wanted people to think that I did. And I think that's something in the church that we can do. We want people to think that like our life is going perfect, right? Nothing is wrong with our marriage. Our kids are perfect. We have it all together. While our relationship with Jesus is fading and reading the word rarely happens and we wonder why our lives are falling apart. It's because we want to look a certain way, but we don't want to do the work that it takes to be the certain way. My wife, uh, it was probably about two months ago, she kept following me around as we were at the house. And I was like, what are you doing? And she just kept following and following. And I said, uh, hey, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go to work, like I'm running late. And she was like, no, no, don't leave yet. And I said, I'm gonna leave. So she shoves me down on the couch, all right? Then she sits on me and she says, and then she puts her hands on me and she starts to pray for me. It's something that, you know, I didn't know what I, was going to happen. I, I, but that's not it, you know. I didn't think she was going to be putting her hands on me because she prayed for me or she wanted to pray for me. 
And she did. And the sad thing is, is that's what she wants me to do. But she's doing that. She's praying for me. And I can tell you this, guys, like I am a minister. I've been to Bible college. I know the Bible. And I know this. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. I know that. And I want you to know I know that. And I want you to think that I do that. But I don't. I don't do that. I don't do it like I should. You know, and you, I'm just letting you know that. And I think a lot of us, and I'll just speak for myself, like, I have a lot of that. You know, she wants that from me, and I don't give that to her, even though I know that's what I should do. That I should love her like Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He died for it. I want to pray for her. That's a great love. I should love her that much. And if I love her that much, I'm going to pray for her. If I love her that much, I'm going to read the word. But I don't. And she does. And I know, like right now, she's probably praying for me as I'm up here. And she does stuff so many times where I'm not praying for her. She took five kids to Holiday World yesterday without me, all right? I should have prayed for her for that, you know, and I, and I didn't, but I should. Uh, so we want to be, we want to read these, you know, but we want to we know, we want to have knowledge, but knowledge doesn't equal maturity all the time. Like maturity is doing what we know to do, um, the next thing we see is religious words without content. So it says, this is in, starting at verse 10, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, uh, in Laconium, Lystria, and persecutions that he endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become uh, convinced of, because you know those from who you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's all useful if we use it. And it transforms our lives if we do it. And God gives us his word but listen, an available resource that we're given always doesn't mean it's an applied resource. It's something that we have to apply. You know, uh, and he gives us the word. So this is in 2 Timothy 3. All right, so 
If you go to 1 Timothy 3, you're going to see kind of a list that's opposite of what we just read, and I'm going to read it, all right? 1 Timothy 3, and he's talking about the elders. Now, if you read all 1 Timothy 3 and you get to the end, you know, Paul says to Timothy, I just wanted to write this. I want you to know how people should act in the church. This is to the elders, but it is something that we should all strive to do is to act like this. So now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy, full of respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So if you look at that, that's opposite of the list that we read in 2 Timothy, right? So, and we can see this played out in our church by different people. Uh, when I think of, like, as being married, like, when I think of somebody and I look at them and I think, I want to be where they're at when I'm that many years married, I think of Joyce and Webby. Now, I spoke good about Webby in my last sermon. He's not paying me to do this. I just love him, you know, like, and so, but Joyce and Webby, like, Joyce, when I first, I, I listened to Joyce's radio show. I didn't, I didn't know she was married to Webby, and I didn't even know Webby. And I thought Joyce was uh, on the same level, no joke. I thought, I didn't know it was just here in Louisville. I thought Joyce and Dr. Phil was like the same level of celebrity. So I would listen to it, you know, and, I, and uh, you know, and then I, I met Webby, and, you know, he said that he was married to her, and I thought, you are not, you liar. <laughs> like, and then I heard him on her show, and I thought, oh, well, he is. I wonder if he flew to California to do that show. I got it, but, uh, but anyway, so Joyce, like I heard about, I'm not going to tell you her story. She's done that. And she'll do that again. But, you know, just uh, not a very good uh, home life, you know. And, and, you know, I look at her, and, and I met her here, talked to her a lot. And, and I just wonder, like, how did that happen? Like, how did she become what she is, you know, from having that life to what she is now? And, you know, I just want to say that, I mean, it's God, and it's her, but, you know, when I, when, by talking to Webby, and I've been here, this is my sixth year I'm going on, like, listening to him talk to her and, and watching them together, I bet you that, like, his number one person that he disciples is his wife. I mean, he loves her. I've never heard him say anything bad about her. He roots for her. I mean, Joyce could say, you know what, Webby, I've decided that I'm going to go to the moon. And you know what he would do? He would come here and say, boys, it's about to go down. Joyce is going to fly to the moon. And he would root for her to do that. He loves her. And, you know, if you look at this, the order in which they say things, they mention the wife, and then they mention all these things that you need to be, which Webby, I believe, is. He is self-controlled. He is respectable. You ever talk to anybody that doesn't know Webby and doesn't like him? Because I haven't. Like, he's hospitable. He's never came into this office drunk. So he's not violent with Frank or myself or anybody else. You know, he's, I mean, he's just, he follows these things. And you can see it play out in his life. Another couple I see is uh, Paula and David Horn. Like, if you talk to them, one, 
David's all these things, all right? He does all these things. He doesn't over, just read the word, but he practices the word. He's a gentle guy. He'll do anything for anybody. And every time I talk to Paula, you know what she says? She goes, I just love him, always. And his family loves him. His kids love him. Like, Cobbler, I found, Paula sent me this picture of David, all right? David is younger. He has no shirt on. He's wearing cut-off jeans where you can see the pockets, so Gene shorts where you see the pocket sticking out. He's sitting in a chair and he has a beer, all right? So I take that picture and I show it to his son, Cobbler. I said, this is your dad. And like he wanted to fight me, he goes, that is not my dad. I said, it's your dad. And he goes, it is not. Like, I said, you better talk to your mom about this because it is. So like, Cobbler loves him. Cobbler enjoys spending time with him. He looks forward to spending time with him. You know, and I believe it is because David follows this, like he does these things. He's not just talking about these things, he does these things. And I would say like as a minister, like one of the things I struggle with is like, I don't pray with Courtney. I don't want my kids to see me and say my dad was a minister, but he never did what he talked about and hate the church because of it, you know. We want our kids to see us do what we tell them to do, right? We want them to know that we read this and we practice it. One of the best things that my kids could see from me is to treat my wife like this. One of the best things that your kids can see from you is for you to treat their mom great. Listen, Jesus was a man of action, okay? So, he fed the thousands. It happened where he was, uh, like Peter was there and he said, you know what? He said, I'd be surprised if Jesus can't feed all these people. And one of the other disciples said, I bet that he probably could. And then Jesus was like, you know what I should do? I should feed all these people. And then they left. And they never did it, Right? He didn't say, you see that guy that's blind? I bet you I can make him see. No, he went and did it. Jesus knew the word, but Jesus loved people. Like, and he was a man of action. And for us, like when we read the word, is it something that compels us to do something or is it just knowledge? Because the Pharisees had knowledge, Right? And I think every day as I lay in bed, I think, man, like, does the church have it right? Like, I, I go over it in my head and I think, I, I don't want to be someone of just knowledge. I don't want someone to see this church and think they know a lot about the Bible. I want them to see this church and say, that's a church that loves people because we know a lot about the Bible. And we model Jesus because of it. And in closing, I was a, I was here, it was, probably, it was probably two years ago. Like I was uh, working on something, I can't remember what it was, but I had a drill in my hand and I was really shoving down and it slipped off and it stabbed me right in the finger. So it cut it open, uh, there's all kinds of blood. So I looked at it, it had metal in it and I thought, I ain't going to the doctor. So I like got the metal out, I put Neosporin on it and wrapped it. About a week later, this top of my finger was the size of a grape. And I thought, I wonder if I should go to the doctor. I thought, right. So I go to the doctor, and uh, 
and he looks at it, and he gives me this medicine. He says, I want you to take this, and this will get rid of it. I want you to take it all. I said, okay. So I start taking it, and it goes away, and then I stop taking the medicine. I go back to him. He said, you take that medicine? I said, yeah. He said, you take all of it? No. He said, you want to lose your finger? We did this like three times, okay? He said, I know you play guitar. He was a doctor who used to go here. He said, you're going to need that finger. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, take it all. So I go home this time. I take all of it. It goes away. It doesn't come back. And I think, you know, well, golly, he knows what he's talking about, you know? So, but I had the knowledge of what to do, and I had the tools to do it, but I didn't. You know, and I, with Scripture in life, like our lives can be falling apart, like, and we'll, talk, like, we'll just talk to anybody, but we have, like, we have the Word. We have people around us, like, that, that can relate to us, that can be there for us, but we choose to hide, right? We choose not to talk about that stuff. We choose to want to look like we're holy, yet we know parts of our lives that are just falling apart. And that's not what, that's not what God wants for the church. Like he wants us to be honest, to be there for each other, to find people. I'm not saying you have to come up here and say, I want to tell everybody my problems right now. But you should have somebody that's close to you that you can walk with. And today, like if you don't have somebody and if you want to pray, you know, maybe you're going through something. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life. Maybe you wore a mask. You know, there's going to be people in the back that would love to pray with you. And uh, don't be afraid to do that because they want to pray for you no matter how messy your life is. You know, in this church, like we want to help you with that. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus. You can do that today. You can be baptized. Maybe you want to have a church home. If you want to come up here, we can do that today. But as we stand and after I pray, we are going to sing. But as we sing, I want you to know that invitation is open for you to come and pray. There is no judgment here. Like if you go back there, I'm not going to think, I wonder what they did last night. You know, you can go back there and you can pray and it will be fine because we have people that love you that really do care for you and just want the best for you. So I'm going to pray. Then we're going to worship. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me and we'll pray together. Father God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for uh, your word. Father, my prayer is that that is not, I just, Father, forgive me for the times that I just take that for granted. We know that you love us so much that you left that for us that your presence is here. We have the Holy Spirit, Father. We have all this stuff that you give us, Father, that, that will help us because you want the best for us and you love us. And Father, my prayer is that today that we, we realize that. We come to you, Father, and if there's anything that we're struggling with, we bring that to you, Father, because we love you and we know that you care. It's in your name that we pray, amen.